0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Psalm 91 and verse number 8 says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. We're going to continue this morning in the word of the Lord in Psalms 91. <clears throat> Verse number 8. We read, Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of... Of the wicked, I, I just, just say that with me this morning, the reward of the wicked. Reward is a sum of money that is offered for the detection or capture of a criminal. It is the recovery of lost or stolen property. It is something that is given or received in return or recompense for service, merit, or hardship. So given this understanding today, it begs the question, why would I want, or better yet, why would God want me to stand by and see the reward of the wicked? It often feels like wickedness is glorified. It often feels like that the wicked prosper while the children of God struggle. I'm not saying that's always the case, but Could you witness with me this morning that sometimes it feels that way? Sometimes it feels as though in our hardship and our struggles with our daily life and our walk with God that some things are just incredibly hard and some things just don't work out. And we look to our left and our right and we see folks that aren't by the Word of God, they aren't serving God. They aren't living for God and yet things just come easy. Why did I lose my job and they got promoted? Come on now, I know you've thought that before. I can't be the only one here that's ever thought that. Uh, there are certain things that... Well, so why would I want to see the reward of the wicked? It, it seems like that it's just rubbing our nose in the advancement of things that are wrong. The truth is, God doesn't expect us to stand by and see the reward of the wicked. While the word reward can be defined as payment for some service, if you follow the etymology of the word, you'll also find that the word reward originates from the word regarder, which means to also take notice of, to look or heed or watch. So simply in this context this morning, verse number 8 of our scripture text looks a little different. Instead of seeing the reward of the wicked as though they're being blessed as for some payment of something that they did wrong, we now see it and know it that we see, take notice of, and watch the wicked. They're not gaining a payment. They're, they're not receiving something. The reward in that context, if you, it's, it's Old Testament language, reward in that context means that we see. The wicked that we are taking notice of, but only get this now with our eyes. Up to this point in Psalms 91, we have reviewed the secret place of the Most High, we have reviewed the shadow of the Almighty, we have talked about God as our refuge, we have discussed placing our trust in God. We have talked about having the divine protection and covering of God in our lives and the fact that we have no fear because God's protection and power goes before us. Now, in verse number 8, we see the reward of the wicked. The message version of the Bible reads this way, You'll stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Now now hang hang with me just a little bit this morning. This is is a different reading now than one might expect from the word reward. We started off reading reward thinking that it was payment for some service, that it was some, some good due for benevolence that is bestowed upon the wicked. But now we see instead of prospering of the wicked and the advancement of the wicked, the reward is actually a front row seat to the child of God to see the destruction of those things in their life that are wrong. Right, right. Now, wicked, I, I wanna I want to lay this out here real early. When we talk about wicked, that's not necessarily talking about other people completely. Yeah, there's wickedness in the world, but it's not necessarily talking about your neighbor that doesn't mow their lawn when you want them to. It could be sin that's in your life. That's wicked. So, so wicked is, is a broad brush, and it, and it paints very wide many different things that can occur in and around us. But the Bible even declares unto us that we stand untouched and out of harm's way. By comparison now, this seems a little harsh. We, we've went from one extreme to the other, it seems. When we started, we understood that seeing the reward of the wicked was their advancement. Now, we realize that it is seeing the wicked to take notice of them and watch. And as the message version declares, that we watch the wicked turn into corpses. The word corpse, we must understand this morning, in addition to our typical understanding of it just being a dead body, also means something no longer useful. that is obsolete. I didn't make this definition up. And the definitive statement that closes the definition for corpse says whether alive or dead. Something no longer useful, something obsolete, whether alive or dead. As a result of this understanding today, saints of God... We're not really going to stand by and watch God kill and destroy our enemies. We're we're really not going to stand by and see Him destroy all of the wickedness that is around us. However, we will stand by and take a watchful notice of how God carefully positions wickedness in our life to no longer be useful. If something is obsolete, it's old. It's out of date. It's discarded. It's no longer used. It may be alive, but it's not active. It may exist, but it's no good to anyone. It's not attractive. It's lost its luster. And the power it used to hold now becomes weak because it's obsolete. In the automotive world, there are typically major model changes to vehicles every two to three years. These consist of of, of body changes, design changes, obvious things that we would recognize as consumers, color changes. But every year, there is what is referred to in the automotive world as a minor model change. There are, there are things, regardless of how minor they are, uh, as, a, as a consumer, if you were to walk up to a vehicle, you may not even notice it. It may be a, a seat button cover to a power seat is, is a different shape than it used to be. Uh, It may be that they've enhanced the mechanism of how the seat belt works and the internal componentry is different. You never really see the visible difference, but something changed. As a result, all of the components that go into making the old model are now obsolete. They're worthless. They cannot be used. They're no longer valid because they don't fit properly. They're the wrong shape. They're the wrong size. They're the wrong color. In essence, once an item is considered obsolete, it is no good for anything. I feel this morning by the Word of God that there are certain things in our life that we need to start calling obsolete. The Bible declares, and there's a verse of Scripture that was not in my... My, my message this morning that is just ringing in my ears and the Bible declares in the New Testament, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. It is impossible for you to serve God and hold on to your past. It is impossible for you to have your past in your hands grip. I don't care if you're not looking at it, you're still holding. It is impossible to progress forward and drag your past with you. There has to be a cutoff, there has to be a letting go, a separation of what I used to be that I am no longer going to declare that I live that lifestyle. I'm going to call my past obsolete. I don't want anything to do with it. It's no good to me anymore. It's useless. It's vain. It, it, it's, I can't regard it as anything great. It's not attractive. It may be alive, but it's not active. I'm not going to let it be active because I don't want to be that anymore. I've underwent a major model change. And I've got spiritual components in my life that are now obsolete that I need to let go of. And I need to allow God to erase that from my past and say, God, I'm going to walk a new walk with you. I'm going to talk a different way. I'm going to act a different way. I'm going to hang around people that are different. I don't have the same friends that I had when I lived for the world. I still continue to be friendly with them. But I cannot be there right arm because we become the influenced instead of the influencer the best way that you can influence is to separate and show yourself godly when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ you understand him to be timeless he's not only alive but he is active he's not obsolete He still works. The Bible even declares that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This illustration in God's Word is here to let us know that those things in your life that seem so powerful as though you cannot let go of them, God can make obsolete. They keep coming back to haunt you. You try and walk away from it, but it seems too strong and too powerful for you. It's wrong and you know it. It's sin, and you know it. And you think it's always going to have a stronghold in your life. Some things you've even kept private, but deep down, you know God still sees with 2020 vision. If you will stand your post and watch from a distance, don't get too close to it, but watch from a distance, God will take wickedness in your life. And turn it into something that is no longer useful. You cannot destroy sin in your life until you distance yourself from it. Why? Why do you ask, would God do this for me? Perhaps why is not the appropriate question. Maybe the right question is how. And the answer lies in verse number 9 of our scripture text. Verse 8 is actually the result of what happens when we get verse number 9 right. Verse number 9 reads, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Now to simplify this, let's break it down just a little bit because uh, we've got some commas there. We've got some interjected statements within the statement. So we're going to read it, Because thou hast made the Lord thy habitation. That's really the essence of the matter. Why does God do in verse number 8 What he does, why does God allow me to watch wickedness become obsolete in my life? Because I have made the Lord my dwelling place. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want victory in your life, make God your dwelling place. What is a dwelling place? It's where I am, it's where I exist. If you are only a Christian when it's Sunday morning or Sunday night, God's not your dwelling place. As a matter of fact, we could declare, and I say this with all love and transparency this morning, if Christianity is only Sunday morning and Sunday night to you, that's not Christianity. That's, That's acquaintanceship. Brother Terry, I've shaken hands with a lot of people that I can't call friends. I've met them. And it was an enjoyable experience. makes makes for a good story. Especially if they're someone of, of, of popularity or clout. Makes for a real good story. Makes fun to talk about. But I can't really say they're my friend. I was, I was in the airport one time traveling. And uh, I, I was in a, a, a separate building from the main airport for a specific reason for, for work. And uh, I was sitting there, had my laptop out. I was working, uh, trying to stay productive. And uh, along comes a, a host of people in that I thought they looked familiar. I was in Chicago, and I was, I was rubbing my eyes. They looked like they was about 10 feet tall. Yeah. They were about 7 feet tall. Yeah. And I, I, just, I started staring. You know, like the little boy in the candy shop. Is this real? So I start studying these guys because they weren't in their typical work uniform. And lo and behold you, it was the entire staff and team of the Chicago Bulls. Now, unfortunate for me, Michael Jordan had already retired. Bad timing on my part. Or I would have been jumping over the couch, screaming like a little girl, saying, Sign this, please. I'd have been getting pictures. I'd been doing all kinds of stuff, but he wasn't there. If you're familiar with the name Dennis Rodman, he was there. That's not a whole lot to get to talk about. He had makeup on. God is my witness. A fur coat down to his ankles and a purse. That's how I recognized him. (laughs) Know who that is. Now, Brother Pat, I'm sitting on the couch in this building. They're as close to me as you are. I never talk to them. Because MJ wasn't there. (laughs) But it was still an enjoyable experience. They were within 10 feet of me and the world knows who they are. But I can't call them friend. As a matter of fact, in this illustration, I really can't even call them an acquaintance. I just saw them from a distance. Measure your relationship with God by your interaction with Him. If all you do is see Him from a distance, perhaps the family relationship's not what it should be. If all you do is shake His hand, by illustration, if I worship God on a Sunday morning, I'm shaking His hand. Hello God, how are you? But if on Monday I don't worry about Him, if on Tuesday, when pastor and bishop's not around, I go back to holding on to what I did have. Oh, hallelujah. If I'm only willing to let go of what I used to be when I'm worshiping him. Ah, oh, maybe the key there is we need to be 24 7 worshipers. Maybe we need to understand that worship is not something I do, but worship is who I am. I'm going to worship Him when I'm not in the sanctuary. I'm going to give Him praise for life, for strength, for family. So if you want to destroy sin and wickedness in your life, get away from it. And when I say get away from it, I mean get away from it. David said, Set no evil before thine eyes. So if I have a problem, Pastor, with drinking, the last thing I need to do is set me a Budweiser right in front of me and say, Well, if the power of God is good, I won't drink it. That's ignorance power of God is good but so is our brain separate yourself from it verse number 9 says because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge even the most high thy habitation the message version translates it this way yes because God's your refuge the high God your very own say it with me home If you want deliverance, put God in your home. You want to see the wicked cast down in your life and become powerless and useless, put God in your home. Want to see your children prosper in God, put God in your home. You want your children to be faithful to God, put God in your home. There are tons of blessings to flow from putting God in your home. From putting God in your home this is his home you, you, you go to someone's house to fellowship you're at their house but eventually you're going to go to your house we're at God's house this isn't my house this is God's house I'm going to have to go home eventually and it's going to be my house And as much as I want to be in God's house, I want God to be in my house. I want God to feel comfortable coming in, wiping His feet off, and sitting at my table. I want Him on the couch with me when I'm watching TV. I want Him in the office when I'm on the computer. Yay, glory to God. Verse number 10. I'll go on before you throw tomatoes at me. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. The first word in this verse is there. Well, where's there? In that place where God is my habitation, my dwelling place. In that place, the place where I am at, where I invite God to dwell with me. That place. No evil, no evil shall befall. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Again, I'm using the message version as an alternative translation this morning in these verses. Verse number 10 says, evil can't get close to you. How many would like to leave here today knowing that evil can't get close to you? Would anybody like that? Harm can't get through the door. Somebody in this house needs to go home today and go around the perimeter of your dwelling and say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody needs to protect your dwelling and your property by the blood of Jesus Christ. That no harm can get through your door. If you will keep harm out of your house, then you will keep it out of your spirit. But if you don't keep it out of your house, you'll never keep it out of your spirit. I used to I, don't, I, I know I've done this since we lived in Mount Carmel but not as frequently as I did in Princeton but when I lived in Princeton I used to walk the perimeter of our property whenever I mowed and the first pass Brother Freddie I always did the, out, the exterior and that first pass I always did pray always and I never really truly understood why I've always prayed for my family and their protection The summer of 2003 Unknown to me I had an employee threaten to kill me Now someone says to your face I'm going to kill you You can kind of tell with the tone of voice That they use Whether it's just a statement in jest A statement of joking Or a statement of anger Or whether it's serious somebody doesn't say that to your face and they threaten to kill you to other people it's got a little bit more clout to it I didn't know anything about this until it was almost over as a result a thorough investigation was underway and uh, about three days into the investigation they called me in and explained to me what was going on he had always bragged that he could get to my dog I had a had a dog in the backyard, weighed about 85 pounds, solid muscle. He wasn't a trained guard dog, but he was a typical family pet. You try to get one of the family, you're going to get bit. He had always bragged, well, I could get him. I could remove your layer of protection. We came home one night after he had been fired, after the investigation was over, after the police had stopped patrolling our work office 24-7 and the dog was gone, and the gate was open. After much searching, we found him at the local animal shelter. He had been beaten senseless. He could barely walk. Whatever it took to to walk appeared very obviously that he was disoriented. He had to have assistance. He didn't recognize his name, and he didn't recognize me. I got him home. And less than 24 hours later, he died. During this trial in our life, I came home one evening. And when I touched the door handle to the back door, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Sister Angie Craig, as I'm standing here today, I saw in a brief, momentary vision that gentleman standing at my back door. I had no evidence and I had no proof other than the fact that I knew God had spoke to me. And the Lord spoke to me and showed me that it was Him and that He was responsible, but that He did not get to us. He may have gotten the things on the outside of my house. He may have touched the handle to my door to the entry to my house. But He was not allowed to enter my house. I'm here to tell you this morning, you want protection in your life? Get in the dwelling place with God. There is no protection like God. ADT can't touch Him. There's no security system that can outsecure the power and the demonstration and the glory of Almighty God surrounding my family, surrounding my home, surrounding my life. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. You want deliverance today? Get in the dwelling place with God. Harm can't get through the door. Verse number 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. The message version says, He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. That's good. Verse 12 says, They shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Alternatively, it says, if you stumble, they'll catch you. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I don't want to start because I'm afraid I'll fall? Well, if, if, if every baby felt that way, none of us would know how to walk. Can I, can I say something this morning? You might want to lean in and listen real good because this is a revelatory statement. This is a revelation from God I promise you You ready for it? You're going to fail Just being transparent with you this morning You're going to fall You're going to fail And after you've started your walk with God You're not going to be perfect Now Am I saying it's okay? No No but I want you to recognize it's going to happen since I've started my walk with God I've fallen I've made mistakes since I've been preaching I've fallen and I've made mistakes but the, clear, the, the thing that we need to understand clearly this morning is that when you do err that you have somebody you can go to Jesus Christ That is not, and I think Pastor touched on this before I ever even came to the pulpit. That's not a blank check that says it's A-OK. Because the Apostle Paul admonished us to strive for the mark of perfection. But I want you to understand this morning, in the grace of God, that because you're in your flesh, you're not going to be perfect. You need to try your hardest. You need to do your absolute best. And I guarantee you, the more you live for God and the harder you try, some of the things you struggle with today, you won't struggle with a year from now. It's not always going to be like this. You need to leave telling yourself that today. It's not always going to be like this. You're not going to have this struggle, whatever your struggle is, you're not going to have this struggle forever. You'll have a struggle. But the struggle will change The trial will change There, There will be better days And life is not going to be on the mountaintop There are going to be valley experiences To help strengthen you But they're not always going to be What you're facing right now So don't refuse To progress in your walk with God Out of fear of failure Because fear of failure is paralyzing And it will stop you From doing anything Those of you that has been in church a while, we talked in February. Was it February about volunteer? We talked in February about doing something for God. Fear of failure will paralyze you. You need to understand that you're human and that these men have just as much grace as God does as long as you're trying. But don't not try just because you're afraid you're going to fall. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job, speaking of the angels, is to help keep you from falling. Verse number 13, and I'm I'm hurrying. Verse number 13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Message says, You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. Now, if you came in here feeling weak this morning, that's some pretty good strength. (laughs) i tell you what. I I don't consider myself to be weak. Brother Terry, I see a snake. I'm running the other direction. (laughs) I don't like him. I don't want him. I want him dead. I want him out of my way. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But if he's telling me, figuratively, not literally, he's not expecting us to go handle snakes or lions, but figuratively in a spiritual sense, if he's telling us that you can have just enough strength to walk through and just kick the serpents and the snakes and the lions out of your path and keep going, what he's telling you is is that there's nothing that can stop you. There's nothing that can slow you down in your walk with God if you want to walk. Amen. If you want to live for Him, you'll live for Him. I realize that absolute sounds awfully cold, but it's a true statement. People do what they want to do in all areas and aspects of life. I close with this this morning. It was Christmas Eve, 1875. And Ira Sankey was traveling on a Delaware River steamboat when he was recognized by some of the passengers. His picture had been in the newspaper because he was the song leader for the famous evangelist D.L. Moody. They asked him to sing one of his own hymns, but Sankey responded, saying, He preferred to sing William Bradbury's hymn, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. As he sang, one of the stanzas began, We are thine, do thou befriend us, be the guardian of our way. When he finished, a man stepped from the shadows and asked, Did you ever serve in the Union Army? Yes, he replied, in the spring of 1860. Can you remember if you were doing picket duty on a bright moonlit night in 1862? Yes, he answered, very surprised. So did I, but I was serving the Confederate Army. When I saw you standing at your post, I thought to myself, That fellow will never get away alive. I raised my musket and took aim. I was standing in the shadow completely concealed while the full light of the moon was falling upon you. At that instant, just as a moment ago, you raised your eyes to heaven and began to sing. Let him sing his song to the end, I said to myself. I can shoot him afterwards. He's my victim and my bullet can't miss him. But the song you sang then was the song you sang just now. I heard the words perfectly. We are thine. Do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. Those words stirred up many memories. I began to think of my childhood and my God-fearing mother. She had many times sung that song to me. And when you had finished your song, it was impossible for me to take aim again. I thought, the Lord who is able to save that man from certain death must surely be great and mighty, and my arm dropped limp at my side. Stand with me this morning. Moral of the story, don't ever lose your song. For in the dwelling place with God, the Bible tells us that He inhabits the praises of His people. The word inhabit simply is defined as meaning dwelling place. So if you want God to inhabit you, to dwell with you, praise Him. Don't lose your song. Psalms 40 and verse 3, I close with this verse today. says, And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. It's an old, old song that goes, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. Divine protection this morning is only found in God. He is our strength. He is our way maker. Could you lift your hands to the Lord this morning? And begin to worship Him. and call on His name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.